Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WBEW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station. This is the show where we talk about how everything in Montpelier shakes out for the rest of us, and I am your host and producer, Olga Peters. I want to welcome regular contributor, representative Emily Kornheiser from Brattleboro. Hello, Emily. Good morning, Olga. So nice to see you today. Nice to see you too. And welcome back to the show, but now no longer candidate or senator-elect, we are now welcoming new senator, Wendy Harrison. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Olga. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, Wendy, for those who don't know her, she is also in Brattleboro and um, has just been assigned to the Senate Committee on Economic Development, Housing and General Affairs, as well as assigned as vice chair to the Senate Committee on Institutions. So congratulations with those committee assignments. Um, were Were they ones you were hoping to get or... What interested you when you kind of put your hat in the ring for committee assignments? Right, right. Um, thanks, Olga. It's a good question. Um, while I was campaigning, I was really looking at um, government ops and transportation. Hmm. Um, I also have a big interest in economic development. So so I was um, hoping to, to get on that committee if I didn't get on the other two. And um, what's going to be fun about economic development and housing is that those are two things that are really important to the to the state and to our region. So I'll mm-hmm. I'll be working on those and using the experience that I have. Um, and we can talk more about that if you like. And the other committee was not on my radar, but I'm excited about it. It's uh, institutions. And what that committee does is make the two year capital plan for state buildings and lands and it also uh works with the department of corrections Mm. which is uh, a pretty serious and important operation so i i'm we haven't yet had our first meeting so i'm i'm learning what i can from the internet (laughs) but i'm looking forward to learning from the folks who who know what they're doing thank you and would love just for listeners. I know we've talked before about how in the House the Speaker chooses the committee assignments entirely, but in the Senate, committee assignments are chosen by the incredibly named Committee on Committees, <laughs> and the Committee on Committees is made up of um, the presiding officer of the Senate, who is the Lieutenant Governor, the pro tem of the Senate, and then the incredibly well-named third member, which is an official name, the third member. Um, And that has been Senator Mazza since the beginning of time. Um, And so those three men right now um, choose all of the committee assignments. And it's sort of interesting because senators get their committee assignments much later than House members Hmm. because the lieutenant governor needs to get sworn in, the pro tem needs to get officially elected, all of that has to happen before they can officially meet and announce committees. So that's a fun little twist on the whole weird ritualistic proceedings that we engaged in last week. Right, right. It it should be noted that senators serve on two committees where house members only serve on on one. Is that correct, Emily? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Sorry, we yeah. right. cut you off. No, no, no worries. Um, and that process made last week particularly exciting because we were all waiting to to get our committee assignments on the Senate side, and uh, we didn't receive them until Thursday, um, which obviously you know is is because of the processes that that we need to go through. Um, but it was nice to to finally get the assignments. Mm -hmm. so yeah, you don't even feel like work. I'm you sorry? don't even know where to put your stuff until you have your committee assignments because we don't have offices at the state house. Exactly. We just have our seats in our committee rooms. And in each committee room, we have um, a drawer usually. And that drawer is like your only, it's like your locker, except it's like a pretty wooden drawer. It's not like a metal locker, but that's like pretty much, that's your only real home base. So I have a little piece of homework for both of you with with the mm -hmm. drawers yeah. i would love it if you guys would you you folks would take a photo of your drawer when you get to the the session this this week when you get to the state house and then at the end of the session take a picture of your drawer again and i i think we will have a visualization of um the year <laughs> based on I love that. what's inside those drawers i actually as a committee chair um I get a larger drawer. Ooh, so you can really pack <laughs> stuff in there. <laughs> I don't get paid any more measly money. I have way more work, but I do get a larger drawer and actually a drawer and a half. Oh. Um, so I am sort of embarrassingly excited about the extra shoe room, to be perfectly honest with all of our listeners. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah, I'm my goal is to the photos. Yeah, sometimes. that's great. Actually, something I am working on is how to organize all of these things. Um, you know, with with two two committees and the the what happens on the floor. Um, I'm I'm looking to experienced senators and reps to to give me advice on on how they organize all Ooh. of their stuff. And there is a lot I'm of be, I'm going to walk off screen for one second and come back because I have Ooh, oh cool show and tell show cool. and tell. Yeah, yeah, this is this is real real life advice show, right? Yeah. Well, I'm so. I'm interested to hear you say that, Wendy, that that you're curious about how you organize all these things because one thing I love about your background as a senator is that you're coming from the the municipal sphere. You know, you've been the town manager for several towns in Vermont and or town administrator. So I would think, you know, between organizing a town and keeping a select board um, up to date and everything, you would have your organizational skills like down. <laughs> but there's no office, Olga. Right. And there's and there's no well, there's actually their shared staff, which is good. But when you go into a town, they've already established systems. Mm, uh, they may not always be the best or the most effective systems. But but they they are working, you know, mm -hmm. that th things are are moving along. So in this case, it's more my personal, um, you know, they're not my personal because of my personal life, but mm -hmm. but they're my particular notes and um, documents like what should I save? What should I not um, that, you know, that that kind of thing. I don't know yet what will be helpful um, and what I can throw away right. or recycle. But so, Emily can help me figure that out. Okay. So one difference is we're allowed to bring electronics onto our floor and you are not allowed to bring electronics onto the Senate floor, which is absurd nonsense, right. but. It keeps us um, focused. 
I guess. (laughs) (laughs) For our Um, radio listeners, 14 emotions and expressions just like flew across Emily's face in that, that moment. (laughs) Um, So, but I still need to go between um, meetings, my committee room, home, floor, all those places. And I, and I find carrying a bag from those places to places sort of, I don't really want to carry a bag everywhere I go. And then like, there's, it's actually really hard to find a spot to stash the bag. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I have one of these lovely, fancy portfolios that actually Congresswoman Ballant bought for me when I was first elected. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry I didn't buy you one, Wendy. That's okay. Um, You're showing it to me. That's just as important. I am. Mine is, was handmade and it's from Etsy, but you could probably get one at Staples if you are not so obsessive as I am. Um, (laughs) But so I keep like ongoing notes here and then I slide my iPad in here that I have a keyboard for. Um, and it fits in here. My phone fits in here. And then I hang my um, badge here because sometimes I don't have pockets to click my badge into. Um, but it all fits right there. I keep, um, I very rarely retain documents. Um, I print things, I keep everything in Google Drive so that I can use it between my iPad and my laptop. Okay. If I save it onto either of those places, then I can't keep it on my lap. I can't use it in both devices. And that way I don't have to carry devices from place to place. So that works really well for me. And then I will print things if I'm going to read them on the House floor, um, as you would, you know, you'd want to print anything you're bringing to the Senate floor. But I make sure there's an electronic backup. And if someone gives me something that I don't have the original for, I take a picture of it and I save it into my Google Drive because I cannot, I cannot with all the paper. It's too much because there's no, there's no home for the paper, right? Right. Um, And so that's what I do. It works really well for me. And um, then I just carry this thing sort of like under my arm or like this as I'm walking around. That's great. So then after you take notes in a meeting or whenever you take a photograph of that. Yeah, or I'll take, I often will take notes. On my okay. iPad. In oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yes. Which and you then, have a keyboard for. because Which I have a keyboard for. And if you don't actually have a keyboard for your um, laptop, for your iPad, Wendy, I, in fact, bought an extra one sort of by accident. And I'm happy to. Um, oh, sure. So, we can do a little interchamber. Mm-hmm. And then I also buy these little journals. Um that I take notes in, but it's mostly like non-retaining meeting notes. It's just sort of like notes for the emotional sake of taking notes. Mm. And like at the end of the week, I'll sort of like scan through it and say like, is any of this actually worthy of carrying on? And then I save all of, I hope listeners are interested in this. I don't know if they oh, are. I'm I interested because yeah, I'm super interested. So many <laughs> and, then, um, and so I like take, you know, if there's anything actually retainable in all of that, I will certainly like copy it down somewhere else or move it somewhere else. But mostly I just carry around these little things because they're so little and light. And then I save them for posterity. But like, I just have a shelf over here that I'm not going to scan the camera to. No, that's fine. Deep in the office over there. But um, I don't ever look at them again. They just save them. But they're there in case. They're there in case. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. helpful. Thank you. Because I used this little book for yeah. to take notes when I was campaigning. Oh, it's Instead like the exact same. It. I think it's the same. It's like a, yours is like a moleskin one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I think that system works. And then I keep my committee agendas right here. Okay. First top document, because that's what tells me where I need to go and when. And you are a chair of a very important committee. The that chair. Is the rumor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no one's told her otherwise yet. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my goodness. Okay. No, it's true. Yes, I am. I'm just kidding. Yes, I am the chair of Ways and Means Committee. Yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yep. Well, thank you for actually sharing that with us, Emily, because I always think um, organization and time management is interesting. I It's one of those things that a lot of people just assume that you either are or you aren't. And it's oh, it's a learned skill, just like anything else. And so whenever we can kind of share these things and make each other's lives easier. No, and I, you know, frankly, I had a very easy time in school until I got to college. And so I never actually had to learn study skills whatsoever, organizational skills, because I just like coasted on through. And so it was a lot to like learn those things as an adult. Um, I also have, if we're just gonna, should I like add a few other things? Sure, go for it. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I also have uh, um, one Google Doc that's my next week's newsletter that I pop things into as they come up that I think constituents would want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just sort of like actually write it at the end of the week, but it's usually populated with like items. And that sort of Google doc is usually like close to the top of open documents. And then um, I have another Google doc that's all of the sort of um, committee priorities and the status of them in like a table format. And then I have a third Google doc um, that is usually a Google spreadsheet that's bills I sponsored and the status of those. Ah, okay. And like hyperlinks to all the pieces of that. So I have like three sort of master documents of things that I need to track. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's good. That's very smart. Mm-hmm. Good, good, and it's good. sort of weird. Like it's not like a workplace because in a workplace, people give you the systems mm-hmm. of that workplace. And we right. don't, there are no systems that are handed over um, when you become a new legislator. It's actually sort of remarkable. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And and different organizations, um, some use Google, some use Trello, some, yeah. uh, uh, most governments, um, you know, use Microsoft products. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it is interesting. One, one thing that had, that struck me in orientation, and I think it's true, is um, how effective the shared staff is from a, a legislating perspective, you know, as, aside from the individual requirements, but having, um, it's about 20, I think, of folks on the legal side and folks on the financial side who are available to both chambers, but, and they, the individuals specialize. So there's um, particular folks for transportation and for um, government, and for uh, economic development, uh, and and they because they work for all of us, they know what's happening, and mm. and they'll write bills that oppose each other, but that's that's fine. Um, that's honestly what town managers do too. Is they work for individuals who may want to do different things, but they work for everyone equally because that's their job. Mm-hmm. And so far I've been really impressed with the staff and, um, and how accessible they are and knowledgeable and 
it's it, it's really good. And I think Vermont is fortunate to have them because they make us more effective or effective at all, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they're my, my initial. Yeah. Is that what you see, Emily? Oh, my God. Yeah. They're like the most, I mean, extraordinary, kind, patient, hardworking organized batch of people and they do so much of their work like perched on the edge of a bench while there's a million things going on around them I mean it's really it's amazing well you know once again it's you talk about systems this is a a state house where people arrive at different points with skill sets and experience and understanding of the legislative process and how do you keep that ship moving in the same direction when you have so much uh, variety coming in the front door at the beginning of the year. Right. And especially this year, I mean, uh, 30% in both houses are, are new folks. Um, and our pro tem made a point in his speech to, to us um, that it was critical to value both the energy and new ideas of the new folks and the experience and wisdom of the folks who have been here for a while. So um, that seems exciting to me. I mean, I think I would be excited no matter what was happening, uh, mm-hmm. but everyone seems to be excited. So that's good. So for you, really cool. oh, go ahead, Emily, sorry. Oh, you go ahead. Old. I was just going to say for you, Wendy, you know, as a new lawmaker, what was it like the first day you walked into the Senate chamber and you're, you're like, here I am, this is, I'm a Senator. Like what were some of the thoughts or feelings that, yeah. That yeah. It honest it feels unbelievable. Um just the the majesty of the place and of the rooms is is incredible. It was re- it was great to have orientation because that gave us a taste of it. Um but then when it was real and we were taking the oath, which is a very long oath. It's kind of like three oaths together. Um it's it's humbling and it it really does provide me and I'm sure the others just the the feelings that you need to to go ahead and and do the work and think about what's best for all of us um and that's why we do it in a group right because not no one of us can know what what's important to to the entire um state and in fact not even all of us in the state house can know what's important to everyone that's why the the reaching out is is critical too Mm-hmm. So no, it's it was a wonderful feeling. My family was there. My family who couldn't be there were watching on YouTube as they kept reminding me, <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying not to get distracted by them. <laughs> uh, but it was it's it's exciting. It's very cool. Very cool. Wonderful. Yeah, you know the as um, I'm sort of moving more into the role of. Um, elder statesman um, after feeling like really still brand new last biennium um but with so much turnover last biennium and this biennium in the house state house Mm. like just you know entering my fifth year means i am you know experienced um it's become clearer and clearer to me how many of the habits or rituals have real purpose for the functioning Mm. of the proceedings um so, you know, even the fact that we don't have offices, which there are certainly days where I want somewhere to go hide um, or to feel like I have a home base. One, it means that we all need to be sort of in communication with each other all the time, um, which is very helpful for sort of public discourse. 
Um, but it also means that we are sort of even more aware of the fact that we are not there as individuals and we don't own that space as individuals, but in fact, we are just sort of, you know, um, the representative from Brattleboro or the Senator from Wyndham County. Right. Um, even this sort of, um, way that the chambers are laid out really helps us remember that we are there sort of in our as um vessels of our seats not as individuals who are you know important of themselves i totally agree with you and and you get a sense of of time that that not not only like in the layer of the present are we just one of many but then if you look at time back you know uh back and forth but you know um past and future we're just in that link too so mm -hmm. so in in multi-dimensions we're we're um occupying a seat rather than being ourselves, and not mm -hmm. looking and, and and intentionally occupying a seat that is that has responsibility for others mm -hmm. yeah it's it's humbling um those are such good reminders because there's so many places, especially in American culture and American workplaces, for example, where power is, is sort of based on that king of the mountain game. Mm -hmm. um, and to have that continue to, to know you're part of a continuum um, and to know that you're there to represent rather than just be your ego um like that's a very important process not just humbling but i think that's an important place for us to sit in as human beings from time to time mm -hmm. um we have just a few minutes left before the end of this um the first half of the show and in the second half wendy i i really want to talk about the committee work and some of the policy things you were interested in when you were when you were running but before we we leave um, to hear from some of our underwriters. I'm wondering, have you had enough of a time, Wendy, to kind of sit with what you were expecting and, and reality? Like, you know, during the campaign, you, I'm sure you formed a bunch of expectations of what it would mean if you were elected. And now you're here. And I'm wondering if you've had a kind of chance to process those two, those two spaces. Good question. Um, I heard that, and this is me personally, I really didn't know what it would feel like. So I, I, I did have imaginings, but um, I'm always ready for something to be different than what I expect. That's just the way my life has been, is it hasn't been what I've expected. And I, I, I kind of like that, honestly. You know, I like, I like learning and um, just being surprised. Um, I think it, I have to be ready, right? Cause it's happening. Um, and everyone else is in the same situation that I am. I mean, all, all of new folks, none of us have done this before. So we're just gonna do our best. Thank you. Uh, have you had a chance to, my favorite place in the state house um, is actually the lunchroom. Because I think that's mm. where so many great conversations happen. Have you had a chance to hang out in the lunchroom yet? 
Totally. And actually, I like it for breakfast. There's oatmeal, which oh, is yeah. huge for me. So, um, yeah, yeah, I like that room. Um, it's yeah. And I'm learning that there are different parts where particular groups go. And that is something I want to challenge a little bit. You know, I want to move around and sit in different places and meet different people, mm-hmm. um, mix it up a bit. Well, and I think, um, you know, the Senate Institutions Committee has historically been sort of the Republican stronghold in the Senate um, and has the only Republican chair. And so I think um, you'll have some really good opportunities to get to know some folks who might not be your natural allies, um, which will also ease your way through mixing it up in the lunchroom, I think. that makes sense. And that was a nice thing about the orientation too, is we met as individuals and not not um party members. So mm-hmm. I, I I did meet the our the Republican colleagues, two of them, and that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do not like the cafeteria. I um oh no. It is. I didn't like my high school cafeteria and um feels remarkably similar in a way that's strange. <laughs> um I I do like it in the morning. Um, it's much slower and like gentler and quieter. Um, during lunchtime, it is just very, very loud. And I have a hard time focusing on conversations because there's so much hubbub um, mm-hmm. and sort of vying that's happening. Do you have a favorite space in the, the state house or do you not want to share it? Because then it will become oh, yeah. the space. <laughs> Oh, actually, I I love the Senate chairs in the House chamber. That's Ooh. one of my top mm. three favorite spots. Um, not during, you know, when the senators aren't there, it's like a really nice place to sort of settle in and have a quiet conversation with someone. And then um, at the end of two of the committee hallways, there are these very large windowsills mm-hmm. um, where that are not very well insulated. So you can like get a little bit of fresh air and um, have a little bit of quiet. Those are probably my top two favorite spots. Yeah. Wendy, have you found spots yet? I, I actually really like the window seats in, in the, um, that lobby that's outside of the house chamber. Those, mm-hmm. the, uh, that's called the hall of flags. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's, I like those window seats so far. Um, I, I really just, I love the building. I mean, it's just- It's a great so, building. Cool. I I, lo- I like the carpets. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I have a favorite, I'll I'll let you guys know. But I might just not play favorites. I might just like the whole building. Well, I'm sure the building would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially being on institutions, I really need to to like the whole building. Hmm. Yes. Well, we are out of time for this first uh, half of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVEW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station. We're going to hear from some of our underwriters and then be right back. Welcome back. 
back to the second half of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station. You can also find us on Brattleboro Community Television and many of the peg stations around Vermont and a little bit in New England. That We've kind of jumped the border in a couple places, as well as wherever you find your podcasts and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you're just joining us, this is the show where we talk about how everything in Montpelier shakes out for the rest of us. I'm your host, Olga Peters, and I'm speaking with Representative Emily Kornheiser and Senator Wendy Harrison. Hey, Emily. Hey, Olga. What do we remind listeners of about this time? The views and opinions expressed here on the Montpelier Happy Hour are those of the host and the guests, respectively, and not their family, friends, neighbors, employers, nor the station platform that is playing our words. Why, thank you very much. So, Wendy, uh, I loved the conversation in, in the first half of the show. Uh, I would like to turn now to more policy and, and committee discussions. So, for those who are just joining us, uh, Wendy is a new senator for Wyndham County, and she has been appointed to the Senate Committee on Economic Development, Housing, and General Affairs, as well as named vice chair for the Senate Committee on Institutions. So, Wendy, you had said uh, in the first half of the show that you had really wanted to be on economic development, housing, and general affairs. What was it about that committee that caught your attention? Um, the combination of economic development and housing. And it's also um, the committee, let me look, the actual language is all matters relating to subjects for which there is no other appropriate committee. So it's what, the They didn't just want to call it the kitchen sink committee? <laughs> right, right. It's, so it's the miscellaneous committee. So you get like burial practices in there. It's pretty awesome. Oh, interesting. All mm -hmm. right. So yeah. I, I said I liked uh, surprises. So, so there you go. Um, I'm involved in economic development already in the in the state uh, locally. I'm chair of SEVEDS. It's Southeast Vermont Economic Development Strategies. It's a, a, a function of BDCC, the economic mm -hmm. development folks here. And um, what I really like about economic development is equitable economic development mm -hmm. so that we're not just the government is not paying companies to relocate and um, and and then just just washing their hands and 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 saying that's that. Um, it, it's really important when we use public resources to make sure that all of the public benefits. Mm -hmm. um, so there are certain types of companies that would be helpful here, um, but even if we wanted to do the old kind of economic development, we couldn't because our problem is workforce. We don't have workforce. And not only for private sector, but for the public sector too. Mm -hmm. um, and BDCC identified this years ago and started working on how to encourage folks to move to our area. And we actually did have an increase um, in the our our census um, numbers in in Wyndham County. And um, the 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 refugee resettlement program is part of that. And um, another thing I, I really like about what BDCC does, and uh, it may be happening in other parts of the state too, is looking at the whole system. So 
Um, it's important to have the, the refugee resettlement program here, but then we also need to make sure that we're a welcoming community for the refugees. And, and that includes working with employers, working with um, churches so that we um, are ready as employers and as um, neighbors to, to um, uh, welcome them. Cause it's hard to move to a, a new place, obviously. And it's really hard to move when you didn't want to move in the first place. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, trauma. It's, it, it's, there's, there's no way it could not be traumatic mm -hmm. um, to be forced violently from, from your country. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's really, what I, I'm sorry. I'm really, um, I've sort of two threads I want to follow, but one of them is just say, I think, you know, the way refugee resettlement has happened in Wyndham County, which was very sort of um, driven by a coalition led by our economic development agency is so different from how the vast majority of refugee resettlement has happened in Vermont, which is in the Burlington area and led by human services agencies. And so I think it's going to be um, as that plays out in the state house, as requests for more resources come from both corners of the state. I'm curious to see how those groups sort of come together at the state level um, mm. to have better outcomes and appropriate resources. I One of the things that fascinates me about your committee, Wendy, is that in the House, um, the labor law is in one committee and economic development is in another committee. Hmm. But in the Senate, those two committees sort of both, those two House committees both funnel into your single Senate committee. And which seems to make um, more sense. It does. <laughs> and like, you know, um, I think there's something to be said for, you know, the checks and balances of separate committees on something yeah. like that sometimes too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I really like that it happened. They come together in the Senate, but they're separate in the house. So I'm curious about sort of your thinking on that, or if that's something that you've, um, bringing those two pieces together. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I noticed that, I mean, we obviously haven't gotten to substantial conversations yet. Yeah. We're just learning about what we do, but just in my jobs in Vermont, um, I've noticed that the labor laws are very different than, than labor laws that I've, I've had, that I've experienced elsewhere. And I, I think it's a, it, it'll be a good thing to, um, have jurisdiction over both of them. And partially because we'll, that will force us to to be speaking with um, folks who like like labor folks might not necessarily speak with the um, uh, uh, corporate interests. Um, but not only will the committee get to see both sides, but I would imagine that the the witnesses and the folks who will be watching what we do will. Um, see both sides or, or at least have, have the opportunity to, you know, the corporate folks will, will see that we're doing something on labor and they might just pay, you know, watch him differently than they would otherwise. But I I'm, I'm speculating. I, I, I really don't know. So, um, but I like the breadth and I like having housing in it too, mm -hmm. because housing is so much of a part of, of economic development and, and, and just not even just economic health mm -hmm. and, and person health, community health. Um, housing is so important to that, and um, and we're and we're getting pretty creative in housing in Vermont. Um, we have to, and I I look forward to helping with that. I wanted to just uh, 
Sorry, there's a very big plow going past or truck or something. Um, I just want to touch base on something you said, Wendy, see if you can give us some examples. You know, you talk about labor laws in Vermont being different than other places you have worked. Um, can you give us some highlights or some examples? Um, one example that comes to mind is there's a very specific, there's a requirement on when um, people have to receive a paycheck based on when the, the work was done. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't I, familiar with that. And I, I never saw that in any other places. Um, and, and I think that's good. It's, it's good for the employee. Mm -hmm. And anytime there's a law like that, it means it's, that it didn't happen. You know, there was a requirement to have a law like that, right? It was needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's one that that comes to mind. Um, but it's it. There, most of what I've seen has has been much more protective of employees mm -hmm. than um, it was elsewhere. Thank you. I, I like to ask questions like that because for our listeners, we don't know how many people have actually worked outside of Vermont. Um, and if that's the, the water you've always been swimming in, um, you may not know that things are done differently elsewhere in the world for better or for worse. Right. That's interesting. Yep. That, and that's a good idea. Um, let's uh, go back to housing, if you don't mind. Um, you know, I have been in my reporting really come to a point for a lot of folks, a lot of communities where I'm hearing housing workforce, housing workforce, housing workforce are, are like their big barriers. And it's such a chicken and an egg right now. Like maybe they can find workers, but then the workers can't find housing. Um, that, that type of thing. So what are, what are some of the, the housing issues that are kind of at the forefront of your mind? right now as you're going into this this committee work uh well more uh safe accessible housing i mean the state needs more safe accessible housing and um brattleboro did a housing study that showed a need for um i thought i said a thousand units now we're saying a 500 units so i don't know if, if we're dividing it into years but a significant number of units um and there are folks keeping track of of how we're doing um i was kind of surprised that the state is well i shouldn't say that the state may be keeping track but i haven't seen that yet not um, not keeping track oh. <laughs> yeah we might want to do a better job of that um <laughs> we've had many conversations about data or the lack thereof yeah. on this show <laughs> okay okay yeah i just all right it's good to hear from emily and that's where uh, yeah, so obviously we know we need more. Um, some of us think we know how many we need. Um, I think it's really important that we have, and, and others do too, uh, just housing of all types um, so that uh, folks of all uh, income levels and interests and um, uh, abilities um, can find housing. I especially want housing in places where there's uh, transportation where that are walkable, that are bikeable, and those types of active, accessible communities. That's what 
the public wants too. That that's that's what what people um, want to where 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 people want to live, and um, many people coming from other states are are looking for you know, for that um, traditional, friendly, um, active social community. So, so that's a, a real strength that we have. And, and I know that we can renovate buildings that need love and, um, you know, keep, keep what's wonderful about Vermont while uh, uh, luring folks to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about solutions? I know that you've just been assigned to the committee, but are you starting to hear possible pathways forward for some of our, our housing issues? Well, the state did a lot of work last year mm-hmm. um, and established and, and put a lot of money, you know, a lot of the ARPA money into, into housing. Um, we obviously need more uh, workers on the housing construction side. And so, so that's something that, that I'm paying attention to. Um, shoot, I wish I had it in front. There's a an event this week at the um, Technical Center in Springfield. There's also one at the Technical Tech Center in Brattleboro. Hmm. And uh, if you you guys probably have a website or somewhere that I can give mm-hmm. you the information so we can mm-hmm. let people know. Um, but they're doing outreach to to find out uh, they the 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 um, or the Department of the state who is in charge of these um, institutions is is doing outreach to see how those centers are meeting the needs of the students. Mm-hmm. So it'd be great to have a good turnout. Um, I visited the Springfield one a few years ago, and it, it's amazing. It's it's huge. It has um, all sorts of programs. Um, it's uh, I. It'd be nice to have more usage of that by um, folks in Wyndham County. And I know Bellis Falls residents can use that facility. I, I don't know if. No, we down here, it's um, the Wyndham Southeast um, Tech Center is mm-hmm. sort of where um, anyone needs to go to. And so um, Rep Tolino, Tristan Tolino, actually did a decent amount of work last year um, to both think about how we can better regionalize and support our technical centers, how they can actually be useful to um, students. And then this coming year, we're actually getting a study um, to make sure that how we're paying for that doesn't disincentivize the use of it. So I think there's a lot to be done on, you know, on the trades and building out the trades. Um, One thing that I think is interesting in terms of housing policy that's probably going to move forward is that a lot of um, some of the initial work on housing policy that's being promoted this year and would make a really difference in some other areas of the state is stuff that um, Brattleboro has already done voluntarily. Um, So we've done a huge rewriting of our zoning Mm -hmm. provisions. Um, And so a lot of what limits development in other communities is actually municipal level zoning. Um, exclusionary principles and practices. And that's something that we actually don't have in Brattleboro anymore. And so what limits us um, other than money and people, but the sort of laws that limit us um, are in a lot of cases um, 
sort of right to appeal laws um, and how much time that eats up and how that's balanced, um, how sort of community need is communicated in those instances, and then um, how government agencies are coordinated that require clearances, um, which is something that's very hard to legislate, though we do our best. Um, and then wastewater for communities outside, you know, for the village centers. And we've had Chris Campany from the Wyndham Regional Commission here enough times talking about nothing but wastewater. So we're not going to get into that today. Um, but that would take, you know, if say Newfane and Putney could support um, more population, then Brattleboro might have um, a little bit of a lessening around our downtowns. So I, I feel sort of, um, I think there's a lot of potential around some reforms, but I also, it's one of those places where I feel a little bit nervous that like what's going to feel like a big accomplishment statewide isn't actually going to make an impact in um, my little neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, you have to expand your idea of your neck of the woods. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually, because I'm a state rep, not a senator. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um switching to institutions um uh wendy uh you had said at the the top half of the show that this was a surprise this one wasn't really on your radar um but i'm i'm curious what is exciting you about it now that now that you're here um, two main things. Um, one is just good use of public resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of capital planning and in small towns, that's often not done because you just, you just don't have time for it, but it, it really does make sense. And in the long run, it saves the community money mm -hmm. and it's better use of just uh, other resources. So I'm looking forward to finding out how the state does capital planning mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the state does bonding. That's another thing that's different about Vermont um, is other states do bonding in uh, almost like like corporations or or, or the, I should say the municipalities within the state mm -hmm. um, just go go to the market and and get bond funding. But in Vermont. So as far as I know it now, um, the municipalities have to use the state um, bonding mechanism, which is, that was pretty interesting to me <laughs> at first. I was like, why? Um, but I, I, I think it's good. You know, it's good so far from what I can see. <laughs> and it'll just be really good to learn more um, mm -hmm. because it's, it's, that's really interesting to me is how, how we do things at the lowest cost and, um, uh, effectively, because if you know planning is is good, you, you have to be prepared for unforeseen circumstances. But it's really good to have a plan, because mm -hmm. then when you know when you deviate from the plan, how to get back on track. Um, so that's exciting. And then um, corrections. It's it's wait before we get to corrections. Oh, I sure. just want to ask something about sort of the institution side of the corrections and institutions. Um, you know, we talk a lot on this show about the oversized role that state government has in Vermont, given just how small our population is. Um, and we talk a lot about sort of the power of state government to set labor conditions. 
But what we really haven't talked about very much is the power of state government to set sort of like institutional and infrastructure decisions. <gasps> and that's sort of an interesting, um, it's an interesting part of what you do, Wendy. Like what does the state own? Um, I know in some communities, um, state property takes up a huge amount of that community's footprint and really shapes things. Um, and so I'm really, yeah, I'm really interested in like, if that's, you know, what that's going to look like for you. Oh, that's interesting. So you would actually know, Emily, if this committee does, um, you know, if it handles the uh, pilots, the payment in lieu of taxes for state buildings. It has a very large role in that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't that, had that even. Is like, that's an appropriate. That's also appropriations and the tax committees because um, okay. that's part of sort of grand list stuff. Mm, and yeah. we haven't even had our first meeting. So I'm yes, <laughs> going blind on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but you were just about to start talking about corrections. Yeah, just mm -hmm. corrections is just so important. And um, I, I want to learn more. I mean, it, I'm... I, I don't want to publicly state opinions now because mm -hmm. I, I just don't know enough, but mm -hmm. it needs to be done right. And it, we need to, to care for the, for the folks who are um, living in our institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really like the idea, you know, folks are under, we use the phrase in state's custody. Um, and we often use that phrase casually, but that's like a very weighty mm. charge is yeah. like, the, you know, the state and is responsible, has declared itself against someone's will responsible for their well-being and care. And like, how do we actually carry that out is a really yeah. interesting yeah. question. For, for clarity, and I'm sorry, I don't know this, but the the Committee on Institutions and Corrections is your purview with corrections just the physical buildings or corrections policies like everything across the board so bizarrely it's everything across the board interesting um, it's okay. really anything you know judiciary handles um anything until someone's sentenced but from then on like probation and parole all of that is within the corrections and institutions committee it's not just the actual jail infrastructure it's the medicaid you know it's the medical services which is not covered by medicaid that happens inside um the jail, it's, you know, integration of services on the outside. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty wild, mm -hmm. um, especially considering I think we're the only state in the country whose corrections department actually sits within our agency of human services. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that, that our um, legislative committees don't reflect that. Right. Interesting. Funny. Not funny. It's not really funny. Um, and I, you know, on my more philosophical anxiety days um feel concerned that the committee that's like really focused on sort of budgets and the capital bill and infrastructure um might pay more attention to the jail and less attention to the people in the jail and i know that like that's not fair of me you know like everyone is capable of doing both sides um of that equation but i do sometimes yeah mm-hmm yeah. Um, it's a huge responsibility. And um, I, I 
just, I need to learn more. I need to go to the, I, 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 I did go on a, uh, I, I toured the Springfield facility as, as part of a leadership program. And um, I want to see the others mm-hmm. and I want to see that one more recently. Thank you, Wendy. Um, just, we've come to the end of the, this episode, uh, but before we go, anything you want to leave listeners with Wendy before? Um, please do get in touch with me if you have questions. Um, we have regular, uh, open houses. Um, Emily has been gracious enough to invite Nader and I to, to the Brattleboro, uh, community, uh, event, which is this weekend. We have one coming this, yeah, this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, I may actually go to Vernon this Saturday. I haven't talked to Emily yet about that, but, um, uh, but I, I will typically be at those. Um, if you have ideas, let me know. Um, I've updated my website. I'm going to hope, hopefully that will be helpful. Um, we have a lot of different sources of information mm-hmm. and I am trying to find a way to consolidate that a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I should say I'm, I'm on the lookout for ways to consolidate sources of information. So I think that would be helpful to the public, mm-hmm. but, but I, and thank you for putting me in this position and I'm really excited and I'm, I'm going to do my best. Well, we are, we are glad to have you in the Senate, Wendy. What, what's the um, website so people could, can find you? Uh, it's Wendy for the number four, Wyndham VT.org. Perfect. And I'll, I'll link it in the show notes as well when I, Great. when I put this on the online, um, Emily, oh, of course, you're very welcome. Uh, Emily, if people want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Folks can go to emilykornheiser.org and you will find links to all of my email accounts and social media accounts, as well as um, way to sign up for my weekly newsletter, weekly-ish newsletter. <laughs> And as always, the Montpelier Happy Hour can be found at 2 p.m. on Friday on WVW 107.7 LP Brattleboro, your community radio station, as well as our Captivate page and wherever you find your podcasts. You can drop us a line at the Montpelier Happy Hour at gmail.com whenever the fancy takes you. Wendy Harrison, new senator for Wyndham County, thank you so much for joining us today. And everyone else, have a great weekend.